Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Dumpty Dum, a podcast about the Archers and the goings on of Ambridge. It's P&Q here, Philippa Hall, who's considering having to rein it in. And Quentin Rayner, who's always thought of P as a naughty wee receptionist. And looking like you share the prof's wardrobe, there's you lot, our Dumpty Dummers, Trace's very own bunch of wrinklies. This week's Dumpty Dum tune is from our Stephen, and there is a special film to go with it for our patrons. More about that later. And on this episode, we're lucky enough to hear thoughts from Claire from Clapham, Natalie from Torquay, Rob, Love Jazz's Singing, Melly, Queen Bee, Tracy from California, Witherspoon, Millie Molly Mandy, Brian, Kate, Sarah from Smethwick, Jenny, Glyn, Catherine, Chris from York, Neil, Anon of Ambridge, plus Tweet of the Week, Facebook Roundup and welcoming new members of our Facebook group, information about Instagram, predictions for next week and the Dumpty Book Dumb item, this time with celebrity chef and author, Rosemary Schrager. Marvellous. God, I wish people had made an effort this week. I know. It's disgraceful. You know, you think they could just call in and let us know what they think. And they're, yeah. Yeah. yeah they're de- desperate for people to get involved. What a fantastic response again this week. Our mm. cup overfloweth, Philippa. It overfloweth. Yes. Which yes. is joyful. Yes. And a great, great tune from Stephen again. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. So, Quentin. 
Let's look back at a farcical week in Borsetshire. It felt like it was written by Alan and starred Brian because Messrs Akebourne and Ricks had their fingerprints all over this one. Having looked into the bathroom mirror, Alistair saw an exhausted 65-year-old staring back at him instead of a virile vet of almost threescore years. Old enough, in fact, for Tracy to assume he automatically qualified for her veterans cricket team. Al complained he was being kept up at night by what was keeping Jazza up at night. Too much of that sort of noise whenever Tracy stayed over. So, in the vain hope of saving Alistair's vanity project, Jazza hatched a saucy plan at the Hotel Fornication. Tracy had rejected the pavilion option on the grounds of... I'm 46. The least I should expect is a sprung mattress. So Jazza suggested using an empty room at Grey Gables as a wee posh love nest and preferably one with a good view of the gardens. Tracy told him she risked losing her job, but when he turned up as... Denholm Ruddock. A... <laughs> me. That's got you going, hasn't it, Philip? That is not exactly what's going through my mind, Quentin, but I'll keep going. <laughs> Travelling stationery salesman. She couldn't resist and packed him off to room 210. And then Oliver turned up, and when he said, it's a day when I can foresee things getting on top of me, we knew where this was going. Worse still, he'd swapped a demanding Mrs Sanderson to room 210 and she was on her way up. Tracy managed to divert the guests to the bar and rushed upstairs to tell Jazza to get dressed and out. Guests expect mints on the pillow, not a naked Scotsman. She wailed, but Oliver was already letting himself in to check on the whereabouts of Mrs Sanderson. He wasn't happy. Oliver couldn't believe Tracy had breached his trust and behaved so outrageously, so... It was suspension, not suspenders, for Tracy. Susan knew something was up with Arneel and coaxed it out of him with a reassuring... You're sharing something with your wife, Neil, not blabbing to the whole village. (laughs) How about retirement, she suggested. But her husband declared working with pigs and being the boss at Barrow had turned out to be his dream job and he couldn't leave a sinking ship. There was also a lot of doubling up. Two parties, two interviewees and two departures. First off was Amy. Despite her distress, a frosty Fallon could hardly give her the time of day. But as soon as Amy told her she was returning to Nottingham, the tea room tyrant turned the emotional screws. Alice really does rely on you. She sees you as one of her biggest supporters. Phoebe hit the road to commune with Algy somewhere north of Glasgow. Her parting gift to her... Amazing parents! Roy and Kate were two goldfish called... Roy and Kate to encourage Kate to look after Roy and Roy to look after Kate, even though he hates fish. According to Alice, what every one-year-old needs for their birthday party is a buffet, balloon installation, LED dance floor tiles, finger painting table and a photo booth. In the event, Martha revealed herself to be a child after Philippa's heart. When Chris came to pick her up for a party number two, he discovered her smothered in chocolate and fizzing from the sugar rush. Kirsty and Kate found themselves in a joint conversation for the rewilding job. Kate thought, Out of the box. And suggested, Sustainable weddings. And, Japanese forest bathing. While Kirsty pitched in with, Guided tours to inform and inspire. To encourage others to go wild over rewilding. But Kate showed she was the bigger woman, conceded her rival was the better candidate and withdrew, so the job was Kirsty's. And as for Tracy, well, she didn't get in the sack, nor got the sack, 
escaping with a formal written warning. Oliver, you old softy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and how shall we been apart from spending it entirely on Twitter? I spent too long on Twitter this week. I have. But this you know, week. <laughs> it's 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 for the good of our of our pod. The highlight of my week was actually listening to another podcast, Philippa. Mm. Um, Jay Rayner's Out to Lunch. Excellent podcast. But he opened up this week by saying that uh, his guest this week was none other than Stephen Fry. And oh. he said it had taken him years to get him booked onto his podcast. Mm. And I thought, hey, we are dumpty dum. We got him in the space of four weeks. So there you go. I was chuffed a bit to hear that. <laughs> one, one up for, for, for dumpty dum. Um, I thought what the highlight of this week was uh, in terms of the, apart from the, obviously the dreadful happenings going on in Ukraine, uh, the other news, the highlight of the week in terms of news was the discovery of Shackleton's um, shipwrecked endurance, the, mm. the, the, um, the ship that sunk in the Antarctic. Um, and I was so taken by it. In fact, my wife went off and bought me a book about it. Shackleton by Randolph Fiennes. So I might actually wrench my eyes away from Twitter and start reading that book. But that was an incredible story. I do urge you to to, to look it up and look at the video. Um, so there you go. So those are my two highlights. How about you? Oh, gosh, just uh, a lot of parenting failures, I think, this week. A catalogue of events. Sorry, anything um, new? Anything new happened this week? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Daughter took her driving theory test and Ooh. passed. So, uh, yes, on on we go on that uh, journey of of delight and expense and and, uh, son was supposed to take three exams at school yesterday morning he has an eye condition and his eyes were so bad he just couldn't even see the papers so basically this morning he's had to do them under exam conditions so I've been there but then you have to scan all these pages in to get them to the teacher straight away and the scanner wasn't working and I had to do dumpty down I was just like (gasps) oh how did he answer in morse in morse code if he couldn't see <laughs> no he could they had calmed down enough for him to be able to do them today so that's why there was yeah. the delay but of course the teachers needed to see those papers and for me to confirm he had not cheated will you get an i star oh sorry oh. I'll, I'll get the cape <clears throat> well that's enough about <laughs> us <laughs> let's get on to the important bit which is you our caller in Hello, Ambridge3962. And first of all, we have Claire from Clapham, who's at them for their personnel touch. Hi, Dumpty Dum. It's Claire from Clapham here. Now, I'm no HR professional, but I have been a union rep in the past. And I can't help but feel that, you know, anyone with a modicum of UK employment law knowledge would have been shaking their fist at the radio or putting their head in their hands after the episode in which two people were interviewed in the same interview, which was very weird. And then Tracy had a final written warning with literally no process. In my experience, it's like proper letters and union representation, and that drags on a bit. And I appreciate that it was all over quite quickly for Tracy and she was back in post, but it would, I think, have done more justification to the cause to have represented that well or maybe i don't know maybe ray j gables is a smallish privately owned business doesn't have that same kind of process goodness only knows i would like to think they had some kind of process i think it would be a shame for tracy to have lost her job but she should have shown a little bit more um 
restraint and Jazza should have got over himself and, you know, been more sensible too. Um, Jazza was not more sensible and then recently he's just gone a bit off the rails again. And I'm sorry about that. I was liking liking him growing up a bit. And I've got time for Jazza, but not if he's going to be an idiot. So anyway, keep up the good work. I'll speak to you again soon. Lovely to hear from you as ever, Claire from Clapham. Hmm. Um, and I, yes, I, I, it was a farcical week, uh, as we said in our roundup. You just about recovered from all the shenanigans at, at Grey Gables and then suddenly this double interview pops up. She <laughs> think, what? <laughs> this doesn't happen. It's, <laughs> it breaks all sorts of rules. It's just ridiculous. And I'm surprised Kate went along with it. She's bullshit at the best of times, and she was a bit sort of what one thirty. It's my time, so I mean, it made for drama, I suppose, to a certain extent. And to be fair, you know, if I was listening to those two candidates, in some ways Kate impressed me more than than Kirsty. She had much more spark about her. And I quite liked what her. I quite liked some of her crazy ideas. I mean, at least you sense that it could well generate some income. I mean, I mean I'm pleased Kirsty got the job. I'm pleased that. Um, that uh, Kate decided that she wasn't the that she wasn't the best candidate, and uh, I, I took my hat off to Kate for, for for being the bigger woman in that sense. Yes, and then uh, she uh, this whole thing about Tracy uh, and Oliver, and you, you know Oliver said I've got to do this by the book, and then there was no book to, <laughs> to do it by. Um, it just reminded me all this that when I worked at the BBC back in the day, when I first started, there was a, a sackable offence in the BBC known as gross moral turpitude, which in layman's terms was shagging on the premises. Yes. <laughs> but I always remembered it as a fantastic phrase, gross moral turpitude. <laughs> so uh, in, <laughs> in mitigation, I think Tracy hadn't actually got to that stage. So I think that's what a letter, letter off the hook. And also Oliver just is, is he loves it, doesn't he, really? So. Um, I think I've said enough, Philippa. I'm blushing myself. <laughs> well, I agree with with Claire. What sort of an interview process was that? Legal procedures in Ambridge yet again not not followed. I think Rick set it up deliberately because Peggy wanted Kate in the job, and he needed Peggy to see that Kate would be rubbish in the job. So it's the only way he could do it. And Kate was hoping to convince Kirsty to step down because Kate thought she was the bee's knees. And it was only when she was sitting there she thought, oh, actually. I'm not going to get this job. And therefore, that's why she stepped out, not because of the goodness of her heart, but she realised that she was going to be made a mockery of. She was, oh, no, she's terrible. I mean, even in Dragon's Den, they don't get everyone to sit round and pull apart. You know, when they said, oh, what do you think of, of the other person's proposal? You don't ask that sort of information. How much money does this field of wild weeds take anyway it's if it's going to be Kirsty's only source of income if she's given up her other jobs already how is she going to make enough money to pay Roy's rent it, it's all very strange but forest bathing I just that's, that, did make <laughs> that, me was, laugh. that was top draw, Kate, wasn't it? Claire from Clapham, a great call. Love that. Made me smile. But now we need to go on. We need to go to Natalie from Torquay, who's courting unpopularity while being bored rigid. Hello, Dumpty Dum. This is Natalie from Torquay. I'm exaggerating Torquay for Quentin here. I just thought I'd leave a note uh, this week right off the bat because otherwise I leave it and then I forget. So I've just listened to all the episodes and I think I've got a bit of an unpopular opinion, which is that I'm siding with Fallon, actually. 
I was actually kind of like pleased in a bit of a dirty, gossipy kind of way when uh, Amy finally, you know, um, slept with Chris. Also, I'm really glad that Amy is actually leaving, um, supposedly anyway. She probably will come back because it's good drama. But um, she's got the most boring voice on the planet. So I don't know whether it's the character, the actress, the accent. I have no idea, but it really gets on my nerves. And now she's even worse because she's moping about. So, yeah, that's that. So I kind of blame the religious upbringing and the need to rebel and repressed need of being naughty uh, in Amy's actions, I guess. On a similar note, um, I thought that Jazza was definitely not listening to his brain this week and poor Tracy got roped into doing something she clearly wasn't comfortable with in the first place. So I felt quite sorry for her. And I was kind of angry at Jazza, I have to say. And last but not least, yay to Kirsty getting the welding job. And well done, Kate and Susan, and the character growth. That's me for now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, thank you very much. A great call. Lots to cover it this week. Um, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about Amy and Fallon. I mean, I know I said I wanted an illicit love affair, but yeah. I wanted something with with intrigue, with months of, you know, will someone find out, won't they? Not it all sort of done and dusted within a few days. I was You didn't you I didn't want you didn't want a, a, a Scottish man in the scuddy stinking of pig in room two ten. Definitely didn't want that. Okay. No, it right. was deeply unpleasant and troubling, <laughs> I have to say. Now, okay, I know I'm having a bit of a change here, but I am I'm actually starting to feel a bit sorry for Fallon that Amy on reflection, I know, eating humble pie here, but you Amy like had you like pie. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's served with cream. Anyway, um Amy had put herself in the position of being almost Alice's counsellor, her care at times. You know, that that scene at night in the playground with the vodka bottles. Amy did not help herself this week. I thought it was a great scene when Amy was crying with Fallon. Yes. They, were, they had an honest discussion about it. Yes. I was glad that it was resolved and there wasn't all this, oh, we can't talk about it anymore. And thank goodness Amy has gone. Yeah, best decision ever. Um I don't know. Where's where's the intrigue, Quentin? You want intrigue, don't you? Yeah. I don't actually want pig muck. I just want intrigue. <laughs> Do you want muck there? No, none. <laughs> I thought you wanted illicit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's it's all, it's all in the mind, not not all in the room two ten. Well, lovely to hear from you, Natalie. Again, I, I just love English spoken with a French accent. I could listen to Natalie all day from Turkey. And if you mention my name again, Natalie, could because uh, my, my name is French, Philip, I don't know if you know. So Natalie, if you call in again, do call me Quentin, would you? Because that would make my week, I think. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'm swimming a bit here, aren't I? Uh, <clears throat> right, pull, pull yourself together, man. Right. Yes. Um, but she's a fan of Fallon and you're, you're turning as well. I thought Fallon's miserable. Preachy, bloody... Just, there's no, she was in a difficult situation, no, though. I, she's a very difficult situation, but it, they've sorted out a resolution. Um, and if it's handled correctly, that'll be fine. But she's very preachy. And then she made really t- turn the the guilt screws on her, didn't she? And as, but as soon as she said, right, well, I'm, 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 
I'm leaving because I think that's the best way. Oh, God, don't go because I can't cope with Alice by myself. Exactly. Oh, no, no. I mean, come on, you can't have it both ways. And then saying, <laughs> we're soon, but when, you know, uh, when we're out of earshot of Alice, I want nothing to do with you. Well, she's, mm. I think she behaved horribly, actually. And I, I thought it was a very good scene, actually, performed by uh, the actress who plays Amy. I thought that was well done. And I genuinely felt her distress. I thought she conveyed that very well. Um, and in fact, <laughs> because of her distress, was more animated than she often is. And she can be deathly dull, very boring. Anyway, she's back off to Nottingham. Will she come back? We shall see. We shall see. But um, She's gone to visit you. That's my fear, yes. <laughs> Ding dong. I, I, I need to change course from midwifery, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, She's come to help you with your studies, whoever that person is. I'm sorry. And doesn't she still have her house? Because Alice had been sanding down the stairs, so that's not a rental house, surely. that's That's got to be your own house if you're doing all of that. Who'd been sanding down? Amy had. No, when Alice went to stay with Amy originally, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. she'd been sanding down the stairs. You don't do that in a rental property. So that's Amy's Unless the landlord house. says, yes, do it. Yeah, so, yeah, but don't let Alice do it. Oh, you're very torn this week, Philip. Are you? I am. Um, trust me, after the week I've had and right. today, yeah, right. it's, I'm just going to veer from one thought to another and I apologise. Oh, this could be a long podcast, folks. Thank you, Natalie, so much for your call. Do call again. And now we go to Rob, who called on Sunday to guess the first song at the party. Evening, Quentin, Philippa and Dumpty Dummers, wherever you may be. What is it about age this week? Started off with Quentin boasting about his flowing locks. I have to admit, Mr Rayner, that I feel confident that I could challenge you to a hair off. I'm not sure of your vintage, but I hit the 65 mark last Valentine's Day and I'm still spending more on head and shoulders than head o' baldy polish. When somebody is banging on the toilet door, why do they ask what you're doing? There are only so many options. Still, when that all calms down, at least Alistair and Quentin can swap tips on which face cream to use. Personally, I just use that small tin of Nivea that I inherited. Martha's party, oh dear Lord. What's the first tune going to be? Murder on the dance floor? It's going to be a flashing dance floor, photo booth, vodka luge, mariachi band. God knows what it'll be like when she hits 18. And the Jazza and Tracy escapade. No, that's not going to go well. Because if she sneaks him in and sneaks him out, that's just the start of it. Who cleans the room afterwards? Jazza isn't going to think about that. Will Tracy be able to sneak the bed and into the laundry or just stand the sheets up in the corner of the room and hope the next guests hope it's a walk-in changing room? We shall see. Take care, all. And the same to you, Rob. Yes, I look forward to our, our, our hair off. I have to laugh because uh, when um, when Jazza knocked on the door and Alice opened the bathroom door and he saw him with the face cream on, my, my first thought was... <laughs> Is it as good as my ridiculously priced serum that I have been using <laughs> in recent weeks, which I'm convinced is making an improvement, Philippa? My goodness. I mean, it's, it's amazing how much you can delude yourself looking into a bathroom window, isn't it? <laughs> when you spent that much, yes. <laughs> I've got through half of it already. I'm probably using far too much. <laughs> the Jazza Tracy thing. Well, he phoned in Sunday, didn't he? Rob's phoning in very early, which is fantastic. Uh, you got it right. It didn't go well. Uh, I think Rob would like to try his hand at script writing, wouldn't he, for the for the archers? I mean, he comes up with a, f- a phrase like, uh, if, 
if you, if you can sneak him in and sneak him out. I mean, that's that's just smut. That is that is wrong. Anyway, um, I can hear Philippa blushing down the line. Uh, any thoughts mm-hmm. on Martha's party, Philippa? <laughs> well. The first song, I like the idea of Murder on the Dance Floor, but I think the first song would have to be ABBA's Money, 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 considering the cost of that party. I mean, once they started having a floor plan, I was just like, this is the most ridiculous party. Yeah. Who gets yeah. time off on a Wednesday anyway? Again, this is the um, the Ambridge magic that people seem able just to stop work and go to this party. And Lord, why have two parties on one day? It makes no sense whatsoever. One person has a party the day before the birthday, one person the day after. And on the birthday, both parents come together for a celebration. It's madness. Total madness. And can you imagine yes. the state Martha will be in by the time she gets to the second party? It's She's so unthinking. She wants to go to bed, oh. won't she? Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, no, didn't like that. that but... That was almost the most farcical thing in a very no, it wasn't. Week. No, it wasn't, Quentin. No, it wasn't. I'm rocking as I'm saying that because it really wasn't. That was. Those were just the warning signs, the hazard lights, saying attention, so, wide load coming this way. So it remains away. room two one zero for you, does it? Oh yes. Yeah, yes, I've still come out in hives about that. Anyway, Rob, none of us. You realize none of us can now book room two one zero, can we? In any hotel. <laughs> <laughs> is it 210 or 210 you see i just never know what's the cool way to do either it. way wherever any archers listener now books a hotel and they're offered room 210 we'll, we'll turn it down won't we yes and worry mm. as rob says about the cleaning great call thank you so much and now we go on to love jazz's singing who might have got her amys mixed up with her alice's a very easy mistake to make hello this is love jazz's singing and i'm a new caller inner this is my first time I've chosen that name because I love jazz singing more than anything on the arches. We get a blast about every two or three years. They slip a plot device in that gets us a chance to hear the silver tonsilled jazzer do his thing. And it always delights me. So I just wanted to jump in and talk about class. This I don't know what day of the week we're doing I haven't quite um I'm a recent listener to Dumpty Dum and I haven't quite I don't know if Monday's the right time to phone in anyway Chris and Amy there's this class thing that's always been between them which always has kind of bothered me the way that Amy's family kind of looked down on the Carters and Jennifer's always (laughs) sort of has this thinly veiled horror at the idea of her daughter sort of demeaning herself but actually the, the Carter family has always acquitted themselves so much better than the Aldridge's, which always seems quite unfair. And I feel like this might be at the root of Chris's simmering resentment. Even when Amy went off the rails when Martha was born, it was Susan and Neil who picked up the pieces and Brian and Jennifer just wanting to throw cash at it as always. That's my kind of thing. Plus, Rex was talking about Pip. That's not over. So don't be marrying him off to Kirsty yet. And Pip's love life is my second favourite thing in the Archers. Who can forget Jude? I'm going to leave it there. Just remember Jude and poor David's exasperation at that romance. Okay. Thank you, um, Quentin and Philippa, for a super show. 
Oh, thank you very much. What a great first caller in a That was Brilliant. absolutely splendid. Yes. I don't think any of us will forget Jude if we've been uh, listening long enough and David's huffing and puffing as always. When is the right time to call in? Whenever you wish. We record this just after the omnibus on Sunday. Um, so as long as you get the call in before then, it will be included, providing I remember to include it. Um Oh, I just think the whole week has gone mad. You're right about the class issue. I, yeah, I think that's spot on. And that it was Susan and Neil who picked up the pieces when Martha was born. Um, but yeah, what a week. We had, you know, Peggy, we had Phoebe. They think Kate's a cool businesswoman. Jazza thinks he's 20. Tracy agreed to Jazza. Oliver, he's changed. Alice, party of a lifetime. Chris, sugar police. Susan, keeping a secret. I mean, you know... Of anything, I think that was the most extraordinary plot development of the Mm. week. Mm. Mm. I know. Um, Lots of buttoning of lips, wasn't there? I mean, Tracy managed not to spill the beans. Fallon managed to not spill the beans to Alice. A lot of buttoning up going on this week. Mm. Um, Love Jazz's Singing. That's a great title, isn't it? I think the last time we heard Jazz's Sing was during The Mysteries, wasn't it? Yes. Are you sure? Yeah, and he's great voice very very talented isn't he the actor who plays jazza because he'd switched into denholm and a lot of people thought oh some people thought they got him charles collingwood to come and (laughs) voice that bit up but it's definitely jazzy you listen carefully so he's got a a wide range um i want to take some issue on the class thing um you you can see it obviously the aldridge carter um split and i think jenny has always looked down her nose and is slightly appalled, very appalled <laughs> at the thought that they have any connection with the casts. But there was a there was that lovely scene, wasn't there, uh, a few months back um, when they were together in the kitchen. Jenny was full on and taking full control, and she let Susan take over a little bit. And there was a real um, dropping of the defences there and uh, a warming up between them but i always think some of the night the scenes i really really enjoy uh, well written well acted are the ones between brian and neil and the, mm. there's clear genuine mutual respect between them brian often goes to neil for advice we're obviously having it now with the crisis at barry but he's gone to him before and i think there is uh, a genuine friendship there so i yeah it's there but not just along the Aldridge Carter divide, and I think actually, certainly Neil and Brian really like each other. Yes, and I think that word you use, respect, is absolutely spot on. Ah, uh, but yeah. yes, what will happen next week? With and she that? mentioned the P word as well, P Pip. Yeah, Pip's love life. Oh God! <laughs> Do you want to go there? Do you want to go there? No, I absolutely don't. Thank you very much. Can we, can we just pretend that wasn't mentioned at all? I can't cope with it. I can't give no, you any more was... distress this week. No. <laughs> Thank you, love Jazz of Singing. Yeah. Yeah. Please turn in again. Superb. And now we go on to Melly, who called on Monday with thoughts on characters not ringing true. Good evening, Philippa, Quentin and everybody in Dumdy Dumland. You far-flung lot. Mary Merriweather calling on Monday evening, just after listening to The Archers. We've had a couple of really gorgeous spring days, which in Scotland usually means there's going to be snow coming. We get our hopes up and then they're dashed. Um, but we shall see. So Fallon, 
<laughs> Sanctimonious little madam. And the way she backpedalled when Amy said, yeah, I'm going to go away. Fallon knows that she can't cope with Alice. Um, she said so herself, whatever episode it was a few days ago. She was begging Amy to go with her. Does Fallon still kind of hold that thing in her head about Alice kissing or trying to kiss Harrison? I don't know, but she is not good enough for Harrison. Harrison's one of my new favourites. Harrison and Rex. As for Jazza, that voice that he put on was brilliant and it was looking to be absolute comedy gold. And then Oliver behaved completely out of character. He's so fond of Tracy. Maybe that's the point. Maybe it is that he's so fond of Tracy and that was just a bit much for him. But, as usual, I'm probably reading too much into it. Anyway, I hope everybody is staying safe and well and much love to you all. Hi, Melly. Great to hear from you as ever. Uh, Yes, I agree with you. I think Fallon was a sanctimonious little madam for the reasons I've just explained. So, yep, tick to that one, Melly. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I've, I've always liked Harrison and Rex. Uh, Rex is uh, a dull but decent brigade for me, and I wish him well. I, I think he's a good, solid chap, and Harrison isn't in that category. I think there's more to Harrison, as I explained the other week, uh, and I've already applauded Jazz's brilliant voices. Um, you said Oliver behaved out of character. I actually think he behaved in character. Um I, I thought that's what would save Tracy, is that he's such a lovely chap. I mean, he's one of my all-time favourites, Oliver. I also love the actor as well. And um, I just thought his inherent decency, kindness, and deep fondness of of Tracy would see her through. And I thought he acted honourably. I was quite scared when he was angry because there was that quiet, mm. uh, very measured rage uh, and he did feel betrayed, and you felt his betrayal. Good acting there, good writing. Um, so um, mainly lots of ticks on my page for you, Melly, apart from that last point. Yes, but remember, Melly was calling on Monday, and that's oh. just when we'd had the scene with Oliver discovering them. And he, was, oh, I forgot. he wasn't himself at all then, I didn't think. He sounded oh. very brittle. We hadn't had the resolution. So actually, you're going to have to give Melly another tick. For that one. Um, I just felt it was the day before International Women's Day. I was fuming. It was no way to empower women to have all of that. Tracy kept saying she she didn't. And, oh, jazz is a rot. What more could I want? A a lot more. Uh, Just that whole scene with Tracy and Jazza using the hotel room. I've just written down, yuck, yuck, yuck. That's my technical summary of (laughs) it. Is that your review of the week, is it? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, Jonah Titchmarsh on the Dum to Dum Facebook group uh, made a comment that I thought was very clever. And he said, the phrase 50 shades of grey gables springs to mind. Yes, I saw very that too. Good. Yeah. Yeah, 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 excellent. Very good. I, uh, yeah, I just thought it was awful. Jazza then made it worse with the phone call and throwing the word pal in. Yes, um, he didn't like that, did he? <laughs> I like the fact that Jazza was sort of trying to help by calling Oliver, but he handled it so badly. And, and Tracy was chuffed that he had done that as well. Yeah, because he's defending her and she hasn't yeah. had that for, yeah, yeah. for some time, yeah. someone who is on Team Tracy, but we just she, don't she... want them on Team 210. She she called Oliver her pal as well. I don't think he. I think some people. It's the same as some people don't like being called mate, do they? So, uh, do you think there was a lot of discussion about what hotel room 
to have and is there some hidden meaning is it like line of duty and we should we should know some hidden meaning from room 210 i'm not sure um <laughs> I, 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 I tell you what did throw people they yeah. thought my word we didn't know great gables were so big 210 rooms but as ever good old leo horsemeyer one of our fantastic archivists explained it all and it's 24 on the main house and 36 in the annex according to the book of the arches and i think actually the two is a reference to the floor number yeah yes exactly but not through a lot of people through a lot of people well, I think the week threw, threw a lot of us off, of course. But anyway, Melly, a great call as always. And now we go to Queen Bee, who's kind of liking Kate. Hello, it's Queen Bee by the sea, caller in a ring for the second time. I want to talk about the apparent transformation of Kate. For too long, she's been presented as a petulant, self-centred, almost teenage-like character. An irritation, a bit of a joke. That's not how I want to see her continue in middle age. When Roy and Kate received their goldfish and the penny dropped that they had to look after each other, I thought, here's an opportunity for kindness to flourish. And who ought to be better at this than the owner of Spiritual Home? Talking of which, why is Kate never there? She is intelligent and recently showed she has some business acumen. So perhaps it's time to stop portraying the Yurts as a joke and use them to showcase a successful, albeit privileged, businesswoman. How to explain this transformation in Kate? Maybe she has come to terms with the news that she is perimenopausal, a hot topic currently. Surely she'd be up on the newest thinking around HRT and complementary treatments and therapies. Perhaps she has been suffering from brain fog or anxieties that have recently been relieved. A spiritual home should be an asset to the village at this time when self-care is so important. A kinder, wiser Kate might suggest Chris join a Tai Chi or yoga class, leading to a conversation about what support he is receiving as the spouse of an alcoholic. So come on the archers, let's find out more about the invisible therapists at Spiritual Home and use them to add depth to some of the storylines. That's all for me. Thanks QMP for the wonderful escapism you provide. Oh, thank you so much, Queen Bee. That was a great call. Yes, how interesting. And uh, brain fog. You mentioned brain fog. I was driving my son this week, going past a field, and I, was, I said, What's, what's the, what do you call those things in the field? And he was like, what? And I went, those things, the ones that go, bah. And he was just like, you mean sheep? I was like, yes, that's, that's the word, sheep. I mean, dear me. You see, oh, folks, this is, what, this is what I have to work with. I mean... <laughs> Yes, I feel sorry for you, Quentin. I really do. So and yes, you, I'm all. And you do a podcast on on a on a rural program. I love it. <laughs> I know. Obviously, I do know the word normally, but it's just, just times your head's just yes, full of things. And, yeah. So I'd be all for um, perimenopausal things being covered <laughs> more in the arches. I love your optimism about Kate Queen Bee. I I'm not convinced that. Uh, Kate is deserving of it and in some ways I hope she stays Kate this yes. very um, 
unique character. I mean, Phoebe was saying, you know, how uh, amazing Kate is as a business person <laughs> and, and she'd have been she'd have been fab at the rewilding. I mean, putting Kate in charge of something like that, it's like putting a Blue Peter presenter in charge of a FTSE 100 company. They just, you know, spend all the time with double-sided sticky tape and empty containers of washing up liquid. I don't see it myself. But <laughs> Queen B, you get a point for your optimism. So she wants a, a kinder, wiser Kate. Um, I'd, I'd hate to lose the edgy Kate. She's <clears throat> such great value in entertainment, that sort of pantomime type character. So uh, we must retain some original Kate. But I think what uh, Queen Bee wants is a development of her from her perimenopausal experience. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that could be the vehicle. And we do hear so little about spiritual home. She's right. That's because it doesn't make any money. I mean, I, again, Kate... Kate is so full of herself and how much money and successful. I just like, no, you're never there. There's never any customers there. Well, maybe Chris will end up being Kate's first customer then. We shall see. We shall see. Um, She picked out that goldfish scene, which, again, was another bizarre moment. Um, And she saw it as an opportunity for kindness to flourish. And, you know, I, I, I... sat there listening to it thinking this is ridiculous but i it was i was touched by that scene i thought it was nicely done i thought it was really yeah i was yeah i i thought um i i thought those two played it very well and um they went from thinking this is they're going what what the, what the hell fish what are you giving us a fish for and then they realized the message behind it and i thought it was a nurturing between them right i i, I find it touching Maybe I've just been in a very benevolent mood this week and not bitter and twisted like you, but I was I was touched by it. Those that fish will be doing a finding Nemo impression and trying to swim for freedom as quickly as possible. Kate will be doing meditations and they'll with be, it. They'll when be screaming, put us in the poison dam, please. This that's gotta be better than this, yes. I mean, Kate's only good at being a parent when she's hundreds of miles away from the child or thousands. So she'll have to FaceTime the fish, I think, to look after it. I don't know. Anyway. We'll have lots more of your calls in a moment. In fact, the next call is from Tracy from California, so do keep listening. Uh, But if you're thinking, I'd like to record a message and I wonder how to do it, here's how. Yes, and more and more of you are doing this. It's fantastic because we need people on this programme, on this podcast, to flesh out our claim to be the People's Podcast. So um, uh, do get in touch and take part. Now, whether you're a first time, and we're getting loads of those, which is great, occasional or even a very regular caller in a row, we love hearing from all of you. The best way for you to record a message or a plot prediction is to go to speakpipe.com slash dumpty dum. That's speakpipe.com slash dumpty dum. And you'll also find a link in the show notes. Don't forget that our name is dumpty dum. It's a T in the middle. Honestly, it is really, really easy. Um, you can do it in the privacy of your own home, in the privacy of your own bunker. Nobody will know uh, how many times you've done it, uh, so really don't worry. Uh, also have a look at our pinned tweet on the Dumpty Dum Twitter account to find all the details of how to leave us a message. As P- Philip has already said, we normally record at around about 12 noon on a Sunday, so please try and get your calls in no later than that. 11.30 is probably the, the, the best um, Uh, the deadline really make sure you keep your call to a maximum of two minutes and you need to be at least 18 to take part 
Now, we need your help. There are three things you can do. First of all, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. And if you would please consider giving us a five-star review, it would be a huge help with the battle of the podcast algorithms. Secondly, if you can write a nice review, well, that helps even more. And we need to say a huge thank you so much to... Yes, Darkest Decadence. Sums up this week, doesn't it? For your fabulous review entitled Meets My Archer's Fangirl needs and we thought to make a change we actually read out one of the reviews to give you an idea of what sort of people what people say and maybe encourage you to write us a review anyway meets my archer's fangirl needs from darkest decadence reads as follows fabulous podcast that dishes all the dirt and gossip on ambridge's weekly happenings especially great for a listener like me who has no real life contacts who partake in the archers also opens you up to a beautifully supportive community that reaches far beyond rural imaginings and connects in a heartfelt way with people across the globe please keep up the fabulous good work oh well thank you very much darkest decadence and absolutely especially that point about the community across the world yeah thank you so much thank you. that was lovely to see and finally the third thing is that you could consider becoming a patron patron is a way of tipping creators and there are different levels with different rewards if you just go to patreon.com and search for tumpty dum we would be chuffed to bits to have your support and there's a new video uploaded this week for those on the two dollar per episode level which shows how Stephen makes his dumpty dum tunes it's an award-winning film and shows the detail he goes into. It's amazing. I now need a film from Stephen to explain how he made that film. I mean, it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, the man is too talented. He is. Puts us Brilliant. to shame, I think. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> Amateurs, and there's Stephen. Yeah. We need to say a huge thank you to our new patrons this week. Yes, and they are Amelia and Lucy. So thank you very much for for signing up. And also a huge thank you to Patricia for her much appreciated contribution. Thank you all. Yeah, thank you so very much. Back to our calls. And next we have Tracy from California, who's happy to hush something up. Hey, y'all. This is Tracy from Oakland, color in a ring. And, um, I have to share, to clarify for Quentin, um, that I changed my listening schedule. So now I listen to the daily shows because I'm in the Facebook group, et cetera, and I don't want to have all the spoilers. <laughs> I want to be on the same page as everybody else. So now Dumpty, Dumpty Dum has made me reform <laughs> my archer's listening behaviors. Anyway, this week, I am so glad they put a lid on Fallon early in the week because she was driving me bananas with all of her righteous behavior, self-righteous behavior. She seems to forget that she abandoned Alice when she was going through addiction. And she has such a bad attitude about Fallon arresting her father for weed and knowing that her father has struggled with addiction for years. And she was so unkind to Alice and so impatient. So she was just driving me nuts. I, I just kept thinking, girl, hush, if everybody did what they should, would and could, we'd all wake to find ourselves in paradise. But as luck would have it, life happens where people live. So get over it and get over yourself. <laughs> so I'm glad that they hushed up early in the week. And I'm also glad to see Alice getting her strength back and seeming to show growth. I will say that you <laughs> could have knocked me over with a feather when Kate started acting like she was filled with mindfulness. And I figured maybe it was all of her exposure to dreadlocks and natural fibers <laughs> that helped her get her stuff together. I'm still not buying the nice Hannah, and I think she's going to suggest that they fire Neil to save money 
keep Jazzer and, you know, make up a couple of other changes to help make up the funds. That's what I think. I don't understand why nobody has used the word rebound with Amy. I'm like, they are not divorced yet. Last time I checked, they still have stuff to fight over. (laughs) I hope somebody helps shake Amy into consciousness. And I think it's going to be Usha because she's usually good at that. Guess we'll see. Have a good week. Oh, and the same to you, Tracy, from Oakland, California. We have reformed Tracy, Philippa. (laughs) We have converted a lapsed listener, in other words, one who's a week behind, to bring her up to date. Fantastic. So, Tracy, welcome. Welcome to the present. (laughs) Um, I think this should be our, our motto now for Dumpty Dum. Life happens where people live, so get over it. She's got some great phrases, Tracy, hasn't she? Mm. Uh, and she's delighted, as she said, to um, that a lid has been put on Fallon and all that self-righteousness. Well, how long will it stay there is another question, Tracy. I think it's going to bubble over into something eventually. It's bound to. Um, this nice Hannah idea. Um, mm. I, I, I think she's here to stay, actually. I think she's grown up and she's grown to like and respect Neil, as we all do. But whether he is actually the sacrificial, let's say sacrificial lamb or pig, um, <laughs> is is another another matter. The it'll be interesting to see how much pressure Susan puts on him to retire, which is something I'm going to claim. I I flagged that up, didn't I, the other week? I said no. I think actually Susan will be quite relaxed about him retiring, <laughs> and there she is encouraging him to retire. So if he does accept her advice and wants to retire then those are the savings at Barrow and Jazza keeps his job. Oh, Quentin, you are just so wise. You, I just am in awe of you. Well done. Can I stop? Can I just stop that? I want to record that and put it on a permanent loop, folks. (laughs) (laughs) No, I thought that was a great idea about Hannah. I mean, you just never know. I do hope that it, it, it won't happen. And because Hannah and Neil now have different responsibilities, they're not clashing and they can work together in harmony. Um, But up until this week, I was furious that Jazza might lose his job. And now I'm just fuming at Jazza. I just thought his behaviour this week was terrible. So I'm not inclined to petition for his uh, job security anymore. God, you're brutal. He makes one error. He gets a bit horny and suddenly you want him to get sacked. No, he didn't listen to Tracy. True, he true, overstepped true. the line. Yes. And all this, you know, kerfuffle when she was saying, oh, hurry up, hurry up. He just still lay there chatting. Just like, no. Uh, uh, just yeah, I did think that really was, <laughs> was far too, that was too much. Yeah. Uh, I was willing him to get his, his kegs on and out of that bedroom as quickly as possible. Uh, no, he pushed, he pushed it far too far. Um, he, I mean, she, let's be honest, she was... She was resistant, but she was then got a bit excited, a bit giddy by the idea. Come on, you've got to admit that she was. She went along with it, and that's her fault. But she did say but so. But she many got quite times. excited by the whole role play and the and the naughtiness, the illicitness, the tristness of it, and all that. But fundamentally, she was uncomfortable with it and said, "Look, I'm, it risks my job." I completely agree with you. No, Jazza was completely out of order this week. Um, Quentin, if you could see the face that I'm pulling at the moment as we're talking about that, I think it's better that we just <laughs> move on. Otherwise, I'm going to need some serum to get my face back. I just said he was out of order. <laughs> I know, we're just talking about it. and you. Ooh, oh, I see. It's making you go oh, squirm again. Mm. Look, this is to bring you out. We've seen a lot of character transformations within the arches. I think we're now seeing in front of our eyes and ears a transformation 
and our wonderful Philippa as well. She's she's you know she's letting down her inhibitions. It's fantastic. This work I'm doing. Oh, not this week. Not this week. Oh, I've run and hid in a wardrobe and shivering and just say, I'm not coming out ever again. So no. But Tracy, a great call as always. And now we go to Witherspoon with some adolescent advice. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Philippa, Quentin, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. I was happy not to listen to any sexual shenanigans between Amy and Chris this week, but unfortunately, Tracy and Jazzer filled in the gap, and I have complaints all around. First off, Alistair, you may not be or look 65, but you certainly acted like a grumpy old man complaining about Trazer's lovemaking. Bite the bullet and buy some earplugs, or ask Jazzer to hang some blankets on his walls to muffle the sound. On to the energetic couple. You could also try to be a bit quieter. Jazzer, you showed your lifelong tendency to break the rules and not think about the consequences of your actions. You shouldn't have put your girlfriend in that position at work. Sometimes we cheer Jazzer because of his empathy toward others, and sometimes we shake our heads at his poor judgment. And did I hear him refer to the over-65s in the village as wrinklies? Poor form Jazzer. And Tracy, at least the new Tracy, whom we've come to respect, would have come down on Jazzer like a ton of bricks when he made the suggestion that would put her job in serious jeopardy. Maybe the stress of trying to put together a cricket team weakens her resolve. As I advise my adolescent patients, it's not just the calculating the chances of getting caught when doing something naughty. Okay, I don't say naughty, but measuring the severity of the punishment if you do get caught. And finally, this brings us to nice guy Oliver. He was angry with good reason, and we could tell he was nearly ready to fire Tracy, but his resolve weakened. I think he cringed when she referred to him as a pal. When my husband has been put in this position with his club employees, including separate incidents with the head chef and one of his senior waiters, he gave them the heave-ho. I hope this doesn't come back and bite Oliver in the rear. Talk to you soon. Oh, thank you, Witherspoon. Another superb call. My goodness, so many thoughts on this one. Yeah, Oliver, as soon as I heard uh, Tracy mention him in the room, you just thought, oh, no, he's going to come in and it's going to be awful. And it was awful. But there was mention, several references to Oliver being so stressed and worried this week. So what's going on there? I mean, it was just like a carry-on film. And yeah, Oliver was furious. And it didn't sound like Oliver at all. And I wondered, I mean, I hate to use the word jealous. And I know people, some people wondered if he and Tracy were good friends um, Mm. when they used to go out together. And I didn't think there was anything there, but perhaps there is, um, that there are emotions involved. I'm not saying he fancies her, but do you know what I mean? That that, that there's something there and it was just unimaginable what Tracy did and he just couldn't cope with it. And that's why he went into efficient, serious mode. He has deep affection for Tracy. He definitely does. And that's what saved her. Um, I mean, Witherspoon didn't want any sexual shenanigans. What do you say? We were spared the noises, noises off from Chris and Amy. Oh, yes. Um, but then he's talking about having Oliver bitten in the rear. I mean, come on, Witherspoon. We've had enough sexual shenanigans this week, haven't we? Without Oliver getting bitten in the bottom. <clears throat> I hear that sigh down <laughs> the line. That's just you, Quentin. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, uh, he, 
says that Alistair should bite the bullet and just buy some earplugs. I think, well, why should he? You know, why, why should he have to sort of lie there and listen? I didn't to want to hear any of that scene either. Mm. That was not neat. That so was I not think, music to my ears. So I think uh, Tracy and Jazza need to. You know, Alistair, being a vet, works probably quite long hours. They've got to work around his hours, haven't they? Uh, all put up those sound reduction blankets. They do exist. They do exist. All, all sorts of possibilities. I, I laughed uh, when Jazza referred to the wrinklies. I have to admit, with a spin, <laughs> it was quite funny. <laughs> and we, like adolescents, we must measure the severity of the punishment if you do get caught. Another more wisdom pouring forth from Witherspoon. We've learned yet more, haven't we, Philippa? We have. So thank you. Great call. And now we go to Millie Molly Mandy, who needs to put something to bed. Hi, P&Q. Millie Molly Mandy here, calling from the United States. Hey, Quentin, when SpeakPipe records that we're calling at 3am, us on the east, in the Eastern time zone are calling at 10pm because it, it doesn't record our time, it records your time. So we're not insomniacs, um, we're just in different time zones. Uh, hey, so what's on my mind this week? Um, Jazza and Tracy, you... What I really need to know is, did they have a plan to change the sheets? Whenever I go to a hotel, I am always suspicious about whether the sheets are clean or not. And now this is going to stay in my mind forever. So please, 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 scriptwriters, tell us that they had a plan to change the sheets. Thank you so much. Uh, love you, P&Q. Bye-bye. Oh, we love you too, Millie Molly Mandy. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for the... A clarification on the, on the, on the hours. Um, I, I do appreciate appreciate what you're saying, but actually, some of you are insomniacs. So I listened back to Emily's call, a second three a.m. call, and Emily was calling at three a.m. Canadian time because she also referred to her sleeping family having to keep quiet. So um, I was right on that score, but I'm glad you're calling in at a reasonable hour, Millie, Molly, Mandy. Um, and I'm actually on that point and. We just heard from Witherspoon. He did put this post on Facebook saying, remember American and Canadian dumpty dummers. We spring forward or spring ahead, if you prefer, this weekend. But Britain doesn't do so for another two weeks. So if you listen to the Archers live, adjust your time accordingly. And that's from Witherspoon in New York. There you are. Very good. See, we're here to help. We're here to help. (laughs) A lot of people were concerned about the laundry issue, weren't they, Philip, this Mm. week? Many others normally are more concerned about the cleanliness of the TV remote in a hotel room as well. Um, oh. Not, yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh. <sighs> You're disgusted this week, aren't you, Philippa? But, yeah. I'm just horrified. Yeah, it's true. I'm... Lots of people do have concerns about... Um, well... But the laundry was an issue, and especially since he was... He, he got disrobed, so he's, he wouldn't spread... His pig smell all over the place. <laughs> he, you know, they'd, they'd be, they'd smell him out if nothing else, wouldn't they? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I hate to break it to you, Millie Molly Mandy, but they had no plans to change no. the sheets. And yes, as Quentin says, Jazz had turned up in his pig farming clothes mm. at reception. Can you just imagine? You know, there are people sitting in the reception having a lovely holiday at this premium establishment, and in pig boy and then does this awful accent and then <laughs> proceeds to go upstairs i mean no what has great gables become but we love you too millie molly mandy we definitely do 
that was another splendid call. And now we go to Brian. It's 4am and the poor man's got Kate <laughs> on his mind. Hi all, it's Brian. Wasn't going to ring in this week, but for some reason I'll wake at four in the morning, so why not? We've had some strange change in personality recently. I can't quite get my head around. We've had Fallon, who's normally so calm and measured about things, completely going berserk with, with Amy. I know she had reason, but it didn't seem like it, like her normal way of dealing with things. We've had, well, even the whole business with um, Tracy and the uh, hotel bonking away at, at the hotel seemed to be um, a bit unlikely, um, to say the least, but probably less says about that, the better. But mainly we've had Kate behaving like a calm, reasonable, empathetic human being, which I never thought I'd see, but she actually caved in about the job and then she was really nice about Phoebe leaving and understood how she felt. I'm not sure I can cope with a Kate with a normal sense of empathy and caring for other people. It just doesn't seem to be the same person at all. It's welcome, but it's not the Kate we know. So I'm, I'm sure it'll only be a temporary thing. That's it. Nice to talk to you. Thanks then. Bye. Oh, thank you, Brian. Yes, I was up from 4.30 this morning as well, so I share your pain. Does anybody sleep on this podcast? <laughs> oh, this, the goodbye to Peggy I found completely bizarre. Why didn't Phoebe go and say goodbye to Jenny? Because Jenny had spent a lot more time looking after Phoebe than Peggy had. And this nonsense about Roy and Kate being great parents, I'm sorry. Roy maybe, but Kate, absolutely no way. Phoebe lived with... Roy and Haley, and Haley was who she referred to as mum for I don't know till she was about sixteen, because and Kate was on her travels and couldn't look after her. so she lived with Roy and Haley. Then she moved in with Kate at about sixteen and Jenny and Brian, but then she had to leave again because Kate was so awful when Phoebe was trying to study for her A level, so she moved back in with Roy. So she has lived with her mother for less than two years. How is this all? Oh, you're just great. You're brilliant. Maybe because she's running away, she can say it and leave on a good note. Two years with Kate, there would be a lifetime, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> Brian, you know, he's a seasoned observer of the Archers. I mean, poor man is now stressing about these things at four in the morning. Brian, please, please. Because uh, we thought we'd seen a revival in Brian, haven't we? Because he was a bit careworn and world-weary a few weeks back, and he perked up, but obviously he's stressing about uh, life in Borsetshire at four a.m. You can in the blame him with this week. I know, yes. It's affecting people's sleep. I mean, they <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the editor ought to consider this. Five millions, well, five million people's well-being is is actually threatened by uh, the shenanigans at Grey Gables. But Brian, as I said, seasoned observer, and he thinks this this personality flip in in Kate is only a temporary thing. Um, uh, the Queen Bee by the Sea is hoping she will develop. So we we will see. I, th I think old Kate will still be there. We need that. It's, it's very entertaining. But we, she, she might develop. We shall see. Well, Brian, thank you very much for your call, worrying about Kate. But now we go to a real-life Kate who is sailing solo to set us a question. Hi, Dumpty Dum. This is Kate flying solo without Catherine this week. I haven't got lots to say about the content of this week's programmes. However, my musings are, how did everyone first find the archers. My parents didn't listen to it, so I didn't have that background 
noise going on and, and familiarity. I came to it during maternity leave. And also when I had to drive my son to a regular sports thing every Sunday, it was a long old journey. And we used to listen to that. He hated it and found headphones very quickly. But I caught up and got immersed. So what's everyone's journey? And when did you join? Uh, I love it that my daughter and Phoebe are the same age. Can't say that their lives are completely in parallel, um, nor would I wish them to be. But there you go. So just interested, why did you first start listening? And what kept you listening? Anyway, that's my thought for today. <laughs> See you. Bye bye. Well, a warm welcome to you, Kate. As she said, she's flying solo this week. She's normally stumbling out of a pub with her good mate, Catherine, who we will be hearing from a little later on. So it's good to hear you all by yourself this time, Kate. And you asked the question, uh, when did we all start listening? And I, I, I had to sort of think about that. And I think the landmark storyline for me was the Brian Siobhan affair. That was, I think, around about 2002. So that's what really hooked me in i'd sort of it was in the background i hadn't wasn't really locking on wasn't paying that much attention if you're a radio four listener you can't avoid the arches kenny but i think when you lock onto a certain storyline that's when it gets you and it's grabbed me ever since um my parents were tended to be radio two listeners so it wasn't really on in the house at all but in later life my mum really got into the arches um, and I'd left home by then it's a and so it's a it's a it's a sorrow for me that I didn't actually share my mm. addiction and obsession now that it's become with my mum because uh, she was really into it uh, before she died. So that's uh, that's my background, Kate, and great to hear from you. And uh, fly solo again, and but also hook up with Catherine because it's always a laugh with you too. Yeah, great to have your call, Kate. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, my parents listened to it, so I just grew up listening to The Archers. Um, in fact, I was interviewed for another podcast and they asked me what I wanted to do when I was 18. I said there were two things I wanted to do. I wanted to be an opera singer or have a part on The Archers. So that goes to show how Sorry. fascinating you, I was as an 18-year-old. You, you were 18 and you wanted to be on The Archers? <laughs> Oh God! There's no hope. There's no hope for you, Philippa. You were, do you were doomed from that day, really, weren't you? Kate, great call. Thank you so much. And now we go to Sarah from Smethwick to say what the fiddlesticks is going on. Hello, it's Sarah from Smethwick here, and this week's letter is F, as in what the. I think this is going to be the worst week since the Isle of Wight uh, fiasco, and F is for farce. Um. I thought you couldn't have a bad scene or storyline featuring Tracy or Jazza, but I clearly thought wrong, as their antics were like something out some 80s farce, including a lot of ducking in and out of French windows, etc. And it, it just didn't ring true, especially of Tracy. The farce theme then continued as Kirsty and Kate almost paid a tribute to the importance of being earnest tea scene with their politely veiled bitching pre-interview. Um, I was almost expecting uh, Cecily, sorry, Kirsty, to say that when she sees a spade, she calls it a spade, and for Kate to say that she'd never actually uh, encountered such an implement, which would in fact have been quite uh, pertinent to the rewilding interview scenario. And then finally, my final F, fish. Who gives fish as a present? Yeah, I'm just, uh, <laughs> yeah, so. Words are failing me. It's been that bad. Uh, hopefully we'll get back on track with something uh, slightly more sensible next week. Try a bit. 
<laughs> to our bit, Sarah. It's uh, a brilliant call. It made me laugh a lot. Uh, yeah, this fish. I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand. I also don't understand why would Roy buy Phoebe a cashmere jumper? He, yes, he's an M&S man, I'm sure, but he's not a cashmere jumper man. And why would Kate? I mean, she'd more likely buy a CD of whale music or a willow weaving kit. I, it was all unfathomable to me. And uh, yeah, this fish, um, yeah, I'm, I'm speechless, just like you, Sarah. Well, F's her, F's her letter this week uh, for what the uh, dot, 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 but it's really for flabbergasted, really, isn't it, for poor Sarah from Smelly. <laughs> Uh, and she finished with an F. Words are failing me, she said. <laughs> Worse since the Isle of Wight fiasco. I, I don't think it, it, it stooped to those dreadful levels, Sarah. <laughs> but it was I, weird. I don't, I don't think it, there's ever been a worse week than the Isle of Wight and Walrus. Yeah. God, God, oh God, I feel traumatised for trying to remember it. Oh, God, that was terrible. It's good for us to have a barometer, though, a level to compare <laughs> it with. So we've gone through it, we've experienced we've we've got the badge for that, we've got the medal, yeah. but uh, this week was quite strange. Yes, I chuckled all the way through that call, Sarah, when I first heard it. I just chuckled just now, and um, a wonderful Brummy accent as well. So, Sarah, thank you very much indeed, and keep them coming, and uh, <laughs> I hope uh, things improve for you next week. Well, I don't, don't think they can get any worse, can they? So. <laughs> Oh, you bet. Don't say that, Grace. <laughs> and now we have Jenny from Coventry, who is calling in for the first time to talk about my favourite subject, cake. Hello, Jenny with a G from Coventry here. This is my first time caller in a ring, so hello. Um, I'm a lifetime listener, so I can't believe you got to episode 420-something without me. Um, I'd like to focus on the birthday party, or rather non-birthday party, Although, according to Chris, it would have been five minutes of sugar-high toddlers chasing balloons around the church hall, so maybe not that much of a miss. Also, how selfish of Chris to want Alice to deprive Martha of cake so she could then go and stuff her face on Susan's banana and cream cheese cake abomination. Ugh, what kind of child actually enjoys that? What's wrong with a Colin or a Cuthbert or a Cedric the Caterpillar from your supermarket of choice? Anyway, Amy did the right thing, I think, disappearing to Leicester to give herself and Chris some breathing space. It was quite moving, her confession to Fallon, and as Quentin said last week, you can't choose who you fall in love or lust with. Let's hope absence doesn't make the heart grow fonder. Nothing good will come of this one, I reckon. I could go on at length about Jazza and Tracy and Oliver, but I'll leave it there for now. I've got a word all to complete. Bye. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> talking of wordle, I haven't done it today yet. Uh, Jenny, first time caller. What a fantastic uh, debut. Fantastic. Mm. Uh, keep them coming in. Uh, I need to I'd bring you in early on this, um, uh, Philippa, because you're chomping at the bit <laughs> and we're talking cake. Uh, I, I'm completely with Jenny. I mean, then we've already said the idea of actually getting a one-year-old to two parties yeah, and ridiculous. stuff her with cake yeah. at both. And offer her, as she said, banana and cream cheesecake, an abomination. So, first of all, your verdict on a banana and cream cheesecake, is that an abomination or 
you'd be happily munch your way through that. Well, at a one-year-old's birthday party, it absolutely is an abomination. And I agree, yes. a Colin the Caterpillar would be far superior. Everyone's I had happy. two of those for my 60th, Colin the Caterpillar. You did, so yes, I indeed. Did, yeah. So I remember I the photo. Oh, yes, love, there's nothing them. wrong with that. Oh, just this whole thing was crazy. And then Chris being the, the sugar police, you know, he's got no control over his life, over Alice, over Martha, over Amy, over sugar. He just went. <laughs> Maybe he'd had too much sugar. I don't know, but yes, it was nonsense. Um, And just one small correction, of course, Amy has gone back to Nottingham, not not Leicester, Jenny, but uh, you're close. It's in the East Midlands. Oh, you're so pernickety. It's just about 25 miles south of Nottingham. (laughs) It's that area. It's all fine. But thank you, Jenny. That was great, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. Uh, Thank you. And now we go to Glyn, who is reflecting on the long goodbye. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here. Hopefully this call will get in just under the wire. Uh, greetings to all Dumpty Dummers everywhere in these troubled times. Um, so onto the archers and um, first our minutes of the archers are limited and precious. And I'm afraid I felt far too many this week were taken up with Phoebe's leaving. Um, she's only going to Scotland after all. Um, And it seemed like there was an inordinate amount of time taken up with her goodbyes and her um, congratulations or her her conversations with her with her parents. Um, Right. So then moving on to Chris and Alice, um, I think particularly after hearing what happened after Martha's party. Um, I think Chris is probably feeling that Alice, as long as she stays sober, gets Martha dressed, feeds Martha, doesn't drop Martha, she will be told she's doing a great parenting job. Um, Whilst Chris is probably thinking that he has to make sure that Martha is meeting her development goals? Is Martha getting overweight or underweight? Was that one of Chris's worries? Is her diet correct? And I think he probably feels there's a certain level of double standards being applied. Um, and, you know, he feels unsupported. And one uh, part, you know, one, one person who could have supported him, Amy, he is now off to Nottingham. So, um Right, so that's a quick call. Uh, best wishes to all in Dumpty Dumland. Goodbye. Oh, goodbye, Glenn. Thank you so much for your call and just getting it in in time. Oh, yes, the scene with Phoebe and the goodbye. Personally, I didn't mind that so much. It was then the scene after it with the fish that I just pushed me over the edge. Uh, I did wonder if there were real emotions in them saying goodbye to Phoebe because the actors, you know, have known each other for so long. And I did get a sense that we're not going to see Phoebe for some time mm. now. Yeah. And I thought that that must be a really emotional scene to film. I think the actors have probably been better parents to Phoebe than Kate actually has in Ambridge. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was... Yes, um, I, I, I had the same thought as well. I did. Mm. Um, it's a bit like when Mike left, we knew he was going for good, didn't we? Mm. When he was reflecting on his time in Ambridge, looking out over the hills and all that. Yeah. Um, and Phoebe probably knows she ain't going to pop up much. She, she may sort of might be a Debbie, mightn't she? Just hope she uh, enjoys as much 
acting success as as Tamsin has yeah. uh, since she left, effectively left at Ambridge. Um, and, but he, his main point was that too too many precious archers' minutes were taken up by it, and it did seem to go on a long time. Were they just soaking up the time to hold back on an, on another big storyline, not or not have to develop an existing one? Um, somebody somewhere said thought they were just holding back so they can go into something in more detail next week. But it did go on inordinately long. But I liked the goldfish scene. I thought it was daft and touching. Oh, I thought it was oh, and their names, oh, their own names. Oh my goodness! And Kate no, needs a it's, project, it's, it's, so she gives her a goldfish. No, and... but it's the idea behind it. You look after each other. No, go out, make a life, have a life. Don't sit there staring at something orange floating in a bit of water. I thought you were more sentimental than this, Blimey. Not with a goldfish. No, 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 no. The amount of goldfish we've gone through. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, uh, we bear the scars. Yeah, we, we, we got through a few as well. Um, it's a touching idea, but I wouldn't personally want to receive a goldfish, put it that way. I thought it was nonsense, but there we are. Okay. But right. I thought that Glyn's call was fabulous as always. And now we go to our last caller in a Catherine, who is feeling hard done by. Hi, everyone. It's Catherine. Well, I've actually just had to turn the archers off because once listening to the Jazza thing was bad enough, but twice is just horrific. There's two pieces of advice I give because I'm over 50, so obviously can give advice at the drop of a hat to anybody and they have to listen whether they want it or not. But the piece of advice I often give to young people um, about love or anything like that is if it's difficult or hard, I'm resisting saying the word hard after listening to that. If it's hard, then it's not right. So um, Amy and Chris, this is too hard. This is not right. This kind of mystique we give in popular culture to anguished love and, you know, is just wrong. And years ago, I went on a training course about domestic violence and they said um, that that song that was out at the time about bleeding love, just, you know, the idea that love has to be painful and agonised and maybe not always physical, but I get that. It's just wrong. So I thank God uh, Amy's trekked off to Wolverhampton or wherever it was she's gone to and hopefully we don't have to see her for again. But the other one, oh, the jazzer thing. Tracy says several times, I don't want to do this. This isn't right. I'm worried about my job. He kind of steamrollers through it, ignoring her. How anybody thought that was going to be hot, romantic, whatever they were looking for in the sexual encounter. Long. I mean, how long were they going to have for her to let go in her sort of grunting and groaning? It was just not going to happen. She said, it's my lunch hour. I'm worried about it. He's sitting there naked. Gross. The uh, the fake accent he put on, that was mildly funny and disorientating, but no, awful. Again, if this was hard, <laughs> I've got to be careful, then it's not right. And please, can they stop doing this? Also convinced that um, still by the time Alice finds out about Chris and Amy sort of dry humping each other or whatever they're doing, she's not going to care. She's just busy getting on with her recovery and good luck to them. From a rather green around the gills, Catherine. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful as ever from Catherine. I, I, are you are you are you okay, Philip? After that, you're not too shocked. Catherine's after. wise words, you know. Yes, yes, coasting over other things. Thank you, Quentin. There was a, a, a lot of the use of the H word, wasn't there? Uh, which has reminded me. I think you saw this post on Facebook. Kate Thomas said, "I feel a bit like the scriptwriters need a cold shower. There is an awful lot of how's your father going on at the moment. I've no idea how poor Philippa is going to cope with it." Exactly, and I didn't. Deeply unpleasant, and I need therapy. You've done pretty well. You've done pretty well. 
Catherine, I'd love. I mean, I, I, I would. She's a teacher. If she had an advice class, I'd go along, wouldn't you? <laughs> she's, over 15, mm. she's over fifteen. You have to listen. I like that idea. <laughs> um, <laughs> essentially, she's saying, you know, if a relationship is difficult or hard, then it's not right, and it's, mm. a, it's a simple truth, isn't it? But I suppose if your heart is pining for something, you sometimes often the heart overrules the head um bless her catherine uh, who often gets names and places to muddle up thinks amy's off to wolverhampton we've got wolverhampton now uh <laughs> at least we're in the midlands um and she talks about the timeline i was thinking you know how long do they do jasper and tracy think they've got <laughs> to do this deed especially with Mrs. Sanderson on the way up the stairs. I mean, Jazza said, well, where is she? Well, doesn't matter. She's not here. Let's still do it. And that's when he really, really uh, stepped over the line because um, the steamrolling had got far too much and it got ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And and, and she had to uh, switch off the archers, which is unheard of for Catherine because it was too horrific to listen to it again. But to thank goodness you got the gist, Catherine, and we got the wisdom of your words. Yeah, that I mean, that scene was just awful. But why do they always have to pin the crass comedy on... You know, Jazza and Tracy, you just see. I mean, thank goodness they didn't pin it on anybody else. Let's not even go there with our imagination. But still, it just seems wrong that they're, you know, oh, we've got this scene. Oh, right, let's put it on Jazza and Tracy for them. To, oh, dear. I thought, you were veering, I thought you were veering towards your second double entendre on this podcast. No. But you, you held back. You held back. Honestly, I can't bear to think about some of the awful scenes we've witnessed anymore. But a brilliant call, Catherine. Thank you, as always. Yeah, so, thank you, as ever. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Those are the calls, but you can also send us an email if you'd prefer. Yes, uh, if you'd rather do that, then visit the dumptdum.com website and click the Contact Us tab at the top of the page. Uh, as we said before, do get your calls and emails in by just before noon on Sunday as we record at midday UK time. Remember, you need to be 18 or over to submit any views or comments. And so we go from our caller innerers to our email innerers. You do sound mad when you say that, do you realise, Philippa? 
Only then. Well, there you go. That's an improvement. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it's uh, first one's from Chris from York. Uh, hello, P and Q at Al. I do not reckon much to Roy the goldfish's chances. Still, Jacob is always on hand. That's a good point. Giving goldfish's presence is a mixed blessing. They can live for a long time and are very chatty. Well spotted there, Chris. Uh, maybe they could release them in the AM as part of rewilding. That's Chris <laughs> from York. Well, as long as the AM is no longer poisoned, yes, they might survive and they might actually have a better chance than if they are certainly swimming around in, in Kate's abode. A good point, though. Jacob's on hand to give it mouth to mouth or whatever. Oh, I mean, that was the end of the week. Normally you end the week on a bit of something special, but. It was a bit of a cliff. It was a bit of a strange cliffhanger, wasn't it? To Roy and Kate. It's just, no, it's it's too much. But uh, thank you, Chris. A great email as always. And now our second email is from Neil, who has contacted us with the subject reference, always behind, but enjoying it still. Hi, P&Q. I'm always a week late to the show as I listen to the omnibus version via the podcast early the following week. I used to listen to the daily wireless shows with my gran when I was a boy, but lapsed as a teenager, but did return as a listener around 1990. I'm a contract manager for a building company and spend many hours traveling up and down the UK and use podcasts to fill my driving time on the evenings. It always amazes me how I appear to be addicted to it and can't wait to listen to the next installment. I have recently added your show to my subscriptions. The idea that there were shows about shows was a revelation. I love the way you analyze the stories and highlight twists and turns. It doesn't feel so bad to say I'm an Archers fan now, as I know there are so many others around thanks to the show. You're doing a great job celebrating a great British show and allowing the fans to share that enjoyment. I would like to raise one point for you to discuss. I do think the writing and scripts have dipped in quality and long-term planning since the pandemic. Do you agree? You discuss many of the flaws and shortcomings <laughs> on the show, so I guess you must do. Will it improve anytime soon? Do you get any feedback from the BBC? Keep up the good work. Well, um, Personally, I would say that, yes, I like to take them to task every week on what's gone on and what's happened. But do I think it's dipped? Actually, no, I I don't. I think I just analyse it a lot more. I think the storylines are a lot more, and I am going to sound 100 years old when I say this, modern. And uh, so some of those, it, I just, I want to go back in time and, and hear things how they were. 20, 30 years ago, which shows what an old fogey I am. But it gives me the range of emotions. It makes me laugh. It makes me cross. It makes me grimace. All sorts of things. So uh, at least we don't have the monologues anymore. And uh, I just always look forward to hearing it, no matter how it makes me feel. There have been some, some lows, haven't there, clearly? And Sarah mentioned one of them, the appalling Isle of Wight debacle, Neil. And some will probably put this week down in the, in the same category. I, I don't, actually. I think also there are is a big readjustment going on because of the introduction of quite a few young characters and obviously the death of others, some, long, some main, mainstays. So it, it's having to bed down and for the characters to assimilate and so forth. And then they'll sort of pull, out, pull one out from the past like um, Hazel and that really electrified everything, didn't they? And that was great. Mike's return was a swan song, really, but um, much welcome. Um, 
I think there's been some very good writing at times, you know, standout scenes. I thought, you know, Susan and Neil, they're so well done. And then we had one this week when she spoke to him about Barrow. I thought it was really good. Love the scenes between Brian and Neil. And I always remember the scenes when Linda was in hospital, that lovely scene with her and Lillian. So at times it, it is some outstanding writing, but it has its dips, definitely. And, um, and this perhaps wasn't the greatest of weeks, but it gave us some laughs. It's given us plenty to talk about, mm. hasn't it? It never fails to give us something to talk about. We even managed to talk about the dreadful days of the monologues. Um, so that is a credit to it over 70 years. And I know a lot of people, though, would like some more rural fare in it mm. and uh, less of the modern storylines that you mentioned there and uh, just a nod to kate's call earlier saying where do you listen or when did you start listening of course there he is he started listening uh to the program when he was a boy with his grand isn't that nice it is but you mentioned the word dreadful quentin and uh speaking of that we've got a third email from anon of ambridge oh yes 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 i, I don't see the connection there philip I, I really don't i really don't <laughs> ah here we go then dear uncle quentin and auntie philippa I was invited to a child's birthday this week, but got the day wrong and so I missed out on the fun. I would still like to buy the poor child a gift, but I'm not so sure what to get. Can I ask for your advice? Thank you, Anon of Ambridge. Well, first things first, how, how on earth did you forget it? I mean, for goodness sake, man. <laughs> Thing, they, it, whatever. Um, <sighs> missed out on all the fun. Do you think they had more fun without Anon there? Oh, that's cruel, isn't it? That's um, awful. Oh, oh, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I, I, well, honestly, Anon, you should take along a goldfish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> failing that, I think just take along an empty cardboard box. <laughs> a one-year-old is more than delighted in a great big cardboard box. Hours of fun, and it's very cheap. That is my advice, but also sort out your diary, Anon, as well. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't hear all the music coming from this incredible party and the hello photographers there taking all the all the photos. I think the best gift you can buy, Martha, is a good solicitor. <laughs> That's all I'd say. But there we go. Thank you for your calls and emails. We love them. Do keep calling in. Now, on to Dum De Book Dum. Well, as you know, I run the bookish podcast, Quick Book Reviews. And when I interviewed celebrity chef and author Rosemary Schrager, we started talking about the archers. And well, I just had to record this chat just for Dum De Dum. So, Rosemary Schrager, whose book is called The Last Supper, welcome to Dum De Dum. Oh, I, do you know how excited I am? I, I, I don't, I'm <laughs> beside myself because my father, I will never forget. Before he got home from work, he would actually sit in the car until the archers finished. Well, I've taken I've taken upon that that thing, and I always listen to the omnibus. At the moment, I'm getting a bit upset about Alice and Chris actually because I'm feeling she doesn't really know what she's doing, and she's she's been through hell back again, and she's really trying hard. And I'm not sure what's going to happen. I think Chris, if he finds his her best friend, I think that would be horrible for her. But I wouldn't want her to get back onto the drink, you know. We, you and I are talking on the 4th of March. And if you listen to the omnibus, you won't have heard this week. A lot has happened and I, I won't say any more. No, don't say any more. Don't say any more. No. But I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. People know not to ring me until after 11 o'clock on a Sunday. Everybody knows. <laughs> so who are your favourite characters? Right. 
do you know, funny, in a weird sort of boat, because he's so awful, it's Brian. Yeah, the yes. thing is, Brian is dreadful. You know, he has his opinions, he runs the farm like him, thinks this is the way it should be, and da-da-da. Jenny, darling, is suffering like mad. She's a, she's wonderful. She keeps the whole thing going. How she stayed with him for so long, I have absolutely no idea. But never mind, that's it. But also, I love Clary. I think Clary is absolutely brilliant, too. I think she's really been a been an absolute stoke. And then there's Susan. Susan's so off the wall. You've got wonderful old what's her name who does all her plays. Linda MBE. And you've got to admire the woman. She never gives up. <laughs> never. She went through a sticky thing a while ago, but she never gives up. And that's what I love about her. I think they're all wonderful characters. Love it, love it, love it. And which characters wind you up the most? Tony winds me up. <laughs> Tony, I think, probably is the worst out of the whole lot. I don't know what it is about Tony, but he goes to his mum and she says, da, da, da. And he sort of slightly whinges sometimes, you know, not all. Then suddenly he'll become strong for no reason at all. There turns and twists and all these different things that happen. I love it. 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 Well, and I love your book, The Last Supper. Can you just briefly summarise it for everybody? Okay, well, The Last Supper, this is a a lovely murder mystery. It's when food and murder collide. And it's about Prudence Bolstrode, which is me. It is fiction, but it's not autobiography. Learning about an old murder as well as a modern murder, a new murder. It's everything. Twist and turns. I can't tell you any more about it because otherwise yeah. it would give you away. It's wonderful. Yeah. Well, Rosemary Schrager, author of The Last Supper, thank you for joining me on Dumpty Dum. <laughs> I, I love Dumpty Dum. This is just brilliant. Thank you for having me. <laughs> that is one enthusiastic Archer's listener. <laughs> love it love it love it and i love rosemary because her favorite character is brian yes rosemary absolutely oh she was great wasn't she 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 re-energizes your joy for this yeah uh, infuriating program that we love yeah wonderful it it was great fun to talk to it really was and she was fully up for talking to dumdy dum about it so that was nice anyway now to facebook and we need to say an how do to you to 14 new members to m and gerard nick and ace julia and claire helen and nasha ruth and linda Gillian and sally and francis and tracy now we need to hear about our facebook group but before that can we just say that we've noticed some more inflammatory comments in the last week or two i'm not trying to be a headmistress about it well more of a dominatrix really because uh, you do need to crack the whip don't you p <laughs> okay well my view is that it's not just treating others how you want to be treated because some have a tolerance for more acidity than others but it's how it's how you'd want your loved one to be treated a parent a child a partner just think how someone else might interpret what you say. Yeah, because, um, you know, we, we don't like having to delete comments, but we will if it causes upset. Remember, Archer's characters and storylines are fair game, but not fellow Dumpty Dummers. And as Witherspoon always reminds us uh, in our group, be kind and play nicely or be nice and play kindly. Exactly. So what has our Facebook group been talking about this week? Let's find out as we sit back for the roundup of the goings on in the Dumpty Dum Facebook group with our Stephen. Hello, you two. Stephen here with the social media roundup. The biggest talking point this week has been Tracy and Jazz's misadventures at Grey Gables. It certainly divided opinion. 
In a poll, 29 of you were happy to say that Monday's episode featured Archer's comedy at its best, while 92 agreed with the suggestion that it was farcical and not in a good way. Alison Mary Heaven was happy about the outcome, at least. It was a result. Tracy and Jazza got their comeuppance for abusing Oliver's expected good nature, and Amy may be on her way back to Nottingham. Emily Pettengill was less delighted. Yeah, she said, the Tracy-Jazza bit was a combo of revolting and cringe. Kate Lyle was also annoyed. Why are people always so vile to Oliver, she asked. He's such a good guy. Keith Rawlings had a theory about this. Oliver is a nice person, but he's also a bit of an old duffer. Louise Lawton enjoyed the episode. It was so silly it made me laugh. And Rob Williams seemed to agree. Woohoo! It looks like the Carry On franchise is being rebooted. But Melanie Ferris took a more practical viewpoint. All I could think of when they were planning it was, what about the sheets? Ugh. Glyn Lewis was also a little concerned. I'm starting to think that the Archers needs to be on after the watershed, like Hollyoaks late, etc. It's getting very racy. Many of us were expecting high drama at Martha's birthday party, when suddenly it was all over. Another birthday party to which we were not invited, exclaimed Lillian McCarthy. Didn't even get a piece of Fallon's lovely cake. Julian Corrigan was also disappointed. I wanted to play on the lighted dance floor. The week ended with that strange job interview and the even stranger moment when Kate decided to withdraw her application. Good God, Kate, said Darcy Jorgensen. Common sense enters the building. Annie Moser felt the same way. Well done, Kate. Common sense prevails indeed. Mid-forties is indeed a good time to start growing up, although I hope you've not consigned your Pando villain persona to Room 101 permanently. And Paul Newman enjoyed the scene too. Unexpected and rather well written. Incidentally, is Spiritual Home really a successful business? I thought it barely paid the bills. He wasn't the only one full of praise for this week's scriptwriter. Paul Norris said, Lovely writing for Neil and Susan tonight. And he quoted what was many people's favourite line of the week. You're sharing something with your wife, Neil, not blabbing it to the whole village. So, that's a big thumbs up for Daniel Thurman, who wrote this week's episodes. But I suspect that Jane E. Mapp spoke for many Dumpty Dummers when she said, I'd really love to hear more about farming. Just a thought. Sigh. There were plenty of other discussions. Dave Alcock shared a post about living on a narrowboat. Gemma Cameron's Dumpty Dog has had 11 puppies, and she wants to give them Archers-related names. And perhaps the less said about Melly McMerryweather's clip from Blue Peter in 1975, the better. And with that, I'll hand you back to the studio. Thank you, Stephen. And to everyone who's posted their thoughts on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group, you would be very welcome to join us there if you haven't done so already. We are, of course, also on Twitter under at Dumpty Dum. Our team always includes the Archers hashtag. That's one word with a capital T and a capital A. Uh, that's so the visually impaired can enjoy any Archers-based tweets. Don't forget also that hashtag is your gateway to the hugely enjoyable tweet along. So pile in there as well. Also try and include at Dumpty Dum in your tweet. It uh, helps the tweet get seen more by more people and helps our community to grow still further. As well as at Dumpty Dum, we're both on Twitter. I can be found at QuickBook Review with a three instead of a W. 
and you'll find me at 13 Minute Man. That's 13 Minute Man. Hello, it's Fry here. No, not that one. And now, on Dumpty Dum, it's time for Tweet of the Week. Philippa, cover your ears. There's an enormous amount of sex in mm. our, our Tweets of the Week. So are you ready for this? In bronze position, we have our very own at Leo Horsmeyer, one of our fantastic archivists. And he posted this tweet off the back of the Friday uh, very popular quiz uh, put on Twitter by Kate Crichton, known as the Ambridge Social, the Archer's Quiz. And he said this, Traces, sex noises, I never expected that to be an answer in this quiz. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. So that gets you a, a bronze, uh, Leo, in silver. Well, this is what I teed up this morning, actually. Um, so I said um, during the tweet along, it's getting crowded on the moral high ground, what with Fallon and Kirsty vying for dominance, to which Ian Kerno at Kerno 27 said, is Lakey Hill the immoral high ground? <laughs> mm-hmm. I like it, I like it. But the winner this week, and it came in early during the week and got loads of likes, and it really is outstanding. It comes from Dave Blake at Wessex Wildlife with this. Loud sex problem on the archers. Unexpected item in the storyline area. Brilliant. Yeah, Dave, that is great. That's good. <laughs> so that gets you gold. Congratulations to all our medalists this week. Just a reminder to follow us on Instagram, where we are in our infancy, but still striving for different content. Have a look for our account, which is, of course, at Dumpty Dum, and do follow us there. Thanks, as ever, to all our contributors this week and to our social media supremos, Shambridge for her voices, and to our podcasting parents, who are, of course, Lucy B. Freeman and Royfield Brown. So what will be revealed next week? Will Kate launch a new range of hemp fish food? She'll be on Dragon's Den next week. Will Phoebe discover that she might need more than two cashmere jumpers in a place north of Glasgow in order to keep warm? Will it be discovered that Amy didn't leave and has actually handcuffed herself to the dangerous steps outside Chris's flat in protest? And will room 210 be set aside for a very deep decontamination clean and then renumbered 101? (laughs) <laughs> will be revealed next week but for now it's a thank you for listening and a bye-bye from me and grab your earplugs i'm hanging a do not disturb sign on the door bye-bye Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 